Welcome to the BuckyCast, folks. John and Will and special guest Ryan Herrings from Locked On Badgers joining you today. Normally, we don't drop an episode on a Sunday afternoon, but um, circumstances being what they are, uh, it kind of seemed like a good idea. Uh, start off, uh, Will, how you doing? Doing well. This has been a emotional, not emotional day, surprising day. Let's put it that way. I think it's an emotional day. I cried. I laughed. I no, I'm kidding. I did none of those things. Ryan, how are you? I'm good, man. I'm happy to be here, and I'm sad, and I'm happy, and I'm excited. Like, I have a lot of emotions for a lot of reasons, folks. He's sad and happy and excited because he's back on the show that spawned him. That's it. That so. sounds creepy, but it's true. <laughs> he didn't exist until this show happened. No, I'm kidding. Uh, anyway, uh, let's let's launch right into it. We're, we are not going to do a beer roundtable because it's Sunday afternoon, although that hasn't stopped Ryan. Uh, <laughs> what you drinking there, Ryan? I got Sam Adams Winter Lager. Uh, festive oh, okay. and smooth. Yeah, it's mm. spicy, good aftertaste. I, like I was last night. I was at a bar and they had um, Highlight mm. uh, from South Florida on tap. And for those of you who don't know, Highlight is the it's a sport first of all uh, that they play in Florida and Latin American countries. And secondly, it's the spotted cow of Southern Florida. Uh, virtually everywhere you go, Highlight is on tap, and not High Life, Highlight. Hmm. So like uh, anyway, that's our, that'll be our beer roundtable. Will, Will, have you partaken in anything recently? Like any interesting beers? Yeah. Um, Bush. Light. No, lately I've just been trying to go into the regular like local Wisconsin microbrews that I enjoy. A lot of three sheeps. A lot of three sheeps. Three sheeps is a good brewery out in Sheboygan. Yeah. Huge tap room. Uh, anyway. Getting on to the business at hand. First, we're going to talk about the things that are not incredibly looming over everything today. Just very briefly, Wisconsin's women's volleyball team locked up the Big Ten title this weekend. Uh, they knocked off both Nebraska and Ohio State on the road in four sets and uh, just looked very, very good doing it both both nights. Uh uh, Ohio State, they withstood a ton of adversity in the fourth set. And um, yeah, they uh, they were able to overcome almost losing. So <sighs> that's been accomplished. And if, you, if you're looking for the Badgers to be one of those top four seeds that hosts up until the final four, I think chances are probably pretty good that that happened last night. Uh, considering that they've now beaten, I think, three ranked teams in a row all on the road and did it in fairly fairly convincing fashion. So anyway, we've, we've covered that. Normally we talk a lot more about volleyball, but there's more stuff to get to today. Uh, very briefly, women's basketball uh, participated in the... Uh, oh, goodness, I lost my place. Uh, participated in the uh, Paradise Jam and got beaten pretty soundly. They blew a huge lead to Georgia. 
I think they had like a, a, a 15 point lead going into the fourth quarter and proceeded to get outscored 25 to five. But um, they also lost to Seton Hall by double digits. They did beat. Um, did they not beat VCU? They were ahead of VCU. Yeah, they were. Uh, check this morning, kind of, kind of similar to the Georgia game. Oh didn't, boy, didn't really quite finish it out. Um, you know, this it was kind of a rough, you know, trip to the Virgin Islands. But this team is they're still they look better than last year. They're they're definitely a more offensive. Uh, Offensively competitive, I think once they kind of learn how to win, so to speak, and put a couple nice games together, they'll be on the right track. All right. Well, they uh, are playing Florida State uh, this next week in the big ACC challenge, and then they open the Big Ten season by playing Iowa, where Caitlin Clark will sacrifice all of them on the altar of her greatness because she's the best women's basketball player I've ever seen in the Big Ten. So that won't be fun, but, you know. Uh, anyway, men's basketball, uh, holy cow, we weren't expecting this. Went to uh, Battle for Atlantis, and a couple of things happened. Uh, they won two of their games against Dayton and USC. They lost a heartbreaker to Kansas, and it felt like they lost it twice because they were ahead with seconds left in overtime or in uh, regulation, and then they were ahead with seconds left in overtime. And Kansas just pulled a couple shots literally out of their butts and hit them, and uh, Wisconsin wound up losing that game by a point. But to lose to Kansas by a point, no one was expecting that. Everyone thought we would get blown out. Uh, the the big news, um, Connor Sejian, uh Wisconsin's only a true freshman scholarship player who was not a Ballyhood recruit uh, completely went off in that tournament, Uh, played way more minutes than he had played before and was scoring key buckets and really looked like he belonged at the uh, power six level in college basketball. Uh, Tyler Wall, another un-Ballyhood recruit that everyone thought made the class a failure, also had some really good games, particularly against Kansas. I believe he scored 23 points. Uh, he looked like he belonged uh, on virtually any team in the country. So Wisconsin goes 2-1 and one in the battle for Atlantis. And Ryan, we're going we're gonna to kick it to you. You're our special guest. What, what did you take away from that? Um, I would say sum that up in a sentence, a uh, successful road trip. Uh, yep. you get two resume building wins, you know, when, when selection Saturday with selection weekend comes along beating Dayton, um, that that's going to look really good. Beating USC is going to look really good. And then I think they showed that they can compete with elite teams with Kansas. So uh, I was, I was really impressed by it. I think it, it builds the resume a little bit. Connor Sejan is um, a star, quite frankly, he was, he's definitely the best shooter on the, on a, here's the question for y'all best shooter on a Badgers team since dot, 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 pure shooter. I think the the quick answer is Brevin Fritzel, but what Connor can do that Brevin couldn't is Connor can be coming around a screen or kind of rotating, you know, along the top of the key or wherever along three point line and can catch and shoot in like what half a second. Mm. And while Brevin by no means was he a, had a slow release, but he, I don't think we ever saw him do things that Connor was doing in terms of, you know, just the, 
you know, running or cutting and then be able to stop, elevate and shoot and seemingly blink of an eye. So I think that's a good question. And the only person that comes to mind is, is Brevin. Um, I'm going to go even further back, <laughs> excuse me, further back in the way back machine to uh, Ben Brust. And Ian or Bronson Koenig um, is another mm-hmm. close comp because Bronson Koenig could create a shot. And that appears to be what Connor can do as well. And, you know, Brevin Pritzel, great shooter, Ben Brust, great shooter, could not create their own shots. They had to be set up most of the time. And Connor Sejan seems perfectly capable of, of setting himself up and making things happen other than just bombing away from three-point range. Mm-hmm. He's scrappy too. Also had four rebounds um, in U- the USC game. He he gets uh, drew a couple offensive fouls. Like he's he's a scrappy player too. He's more than just a spot up shooter. Yeah, I was. I don't blame him for the Kansas game by any means. He did not box out in that last possession. Obviously, one thing that was cool to see is, you know, obviously he wasn't afraid to get on the court and start shooting against USC, but he also had a couple really nice box outs against like bigger players. I was just like, that's a great way to respond. So that was a, mm. uh, uh, what's sort of looking for a satisfying thing to see, I guess that he kind of res- responded the way he did. And lost in all of this or not lost in all of this either was in the final game against USC, Chucky Hepburn finally got off the schneid mm-hmm. and, uh, was, hitting buckets and actually looked like he was relaxed again because against Kansas, he was, he was not playing. In fact, this whole season, he's not been playing Mm -hmm. the greatest and it finally looked like he relaxed and remembered how to play basketball again. If they can just get Steven Crowell to be a little more assertive, there's the, the sky's the limit for Wisconsin. Nobody in the big 10 looks like they are going to run away with things. So unless Purdue just continues to wallop teams like they did to Gonzaga this last weekend. But uh, yeah, Zach, by the way, folks, Zach Eady, Zach Eady, problem. Problem for everyone. Specifically Uh, for Wisconsin without a backup five, though. Yes, specifically Carter Gilmore Gilmore against Zach Eady is going to be a bloody mess. We're going to have to we're going to have to carry his body parts out in a bucket. Uh, unfortunately, and that's just that's no that's not a knock on Carter Gilmore. It's just the truth. You know, um, last year I think Ben Carlson in both the Purdue games. I know in one of them for sure. I think the other one too. I think he fouled out in both of our Purdue games because essentially when Ben Carlson came in, it was body up Zach Eady as much as you can, and it's okay if you follow him. Just do it like do what you. And so I look at Chris Hodges. I'm like, hey man, like that's your job this year. <laughs> when we play Purdue, yeah. you're probably gonna get five minutes and you might foul out in those five but that's okay if you can slow down zach Eady by make him earn his shots yeah. at the stripe more than worth uh, it yeah anyway all right well yeah men's basketball did a really good job and one quick more quick comment on that greg guard uh as a talent evaluator is apparently a genius because uh, no one was tagging Connor Sejian or Tyler Wall as great pickups, mm-hmm. and they have turned into well, Connor came in as a great player, and Tyler Wall has turned into a totally different guy than he was when he arrived at Wisconsin. So, anyway, moving on, moving on to the big, big news: the 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 good, the bad, and the ugly of the uh, weekend was the football program. 
Uh, things started out, uh, looked everything looked perfectly normal uh, going into Friday. And then on Saturday, Wisconsin played Minnesota for the Axe. The culmination of hate week. I was very muted this week about hate week uh, because I just, I, I didn't, I didn't want to count my chickens before they were hatched. I was confident in a Badger victory, but I knew there might be something that would go wrong. And a lot of stuff went wrong against Minnesota. Wisconsin lost that game 23-16, for those of you who don't know. Uh, they were outplayed thoroughly in the first half. They were uh, then ascendant towards the end of the first half and um, in the third quarter. And then at the end of the third quarter, Minnesota completely shut them down on offense. Wisconsin couldn't move the ball. And uh, the defense finally gave out and gave up a big touchdown play. And the offense was a comedy of errors in trying to achieve a comeback down down uh, seven points. They were, Graham Mertz capped off a terrible, well, not capped off a poor game with a terrible interception, then got hurt on their last drive, and Chase Wolf had got them down to scoring territory, and then the offensive line proceeded to poop all over themselves. Uh, they committed four penalties, uh, all in the space of two downs, that put it uh, second and goal at the 30, I want to say. And, you know, Chase Wolf's not a miracle worker, obviously. He couldn't overcome that. It was a dispiriting loss. Um, Keanu Benton had talked all week about how, you know, this was going to be different. They've been replaying last year's game over and over. We're going to get them this time. And they came out, and I would say maybe a third of the Badgers had the energy to do it. And the rest of them were just sort of standing around watching. Uh, I, I don't know that I'm being overly harsh there. Guys, am I being overly harsh? I don't think so. I, I I mean, it was a dispirited loss, like you said. I was very despondent after the game. I would say it's interesting, right, that special teams played really well. Um, the Badgers' rush defense basically held Mo Ibrahim to, as, as I mean, 97 yards, 2.6 per carry. And you would think if you get those two outcomes out of the Badgers, good special teams, Venzel's hit all three field goals, no weird punting issues – and you hold Minnesota in check. You got to win that. You got to win that game ninety nine percent of the time. And it was just, as you said, a comedy of errors on the offensive side. Yeah, I think when when we what we went up sixteen thirteen, and I think our defense got us three straight stops, and one or two of those were three and outs. And when we got the ball back on offense, it was almost comically conservative in terms of the play calling. Like I understand, I didn't want us to come out you know, four or five wide, right? And just but at the same time, like run a play action, run a run a rollout. Pass on do, first down. Yeah, do do something to kind of like go win this game right now. Don't run out the clock. Don't sit there and try to be like, oh, we gotta, you know, play this safe. That was that was really disappointing. You know, I I think in general I've I've probably Defending Graham Mertz maybe more than I should have in the, over the last two years or so. Um, at the same time, he he can make these throws, and we didn't give him the chance. And then when we finally got him back out there, it was 
you know, kind of a little too little too late. So I, th- I wish we would have taken advantage of the lead we had with the ability to, like you said, maybe call a first down pass or just, you know, even the one, the one play action to a fullback we did get, got us 30 yards. Like, I think there are really yeah. simple things we could have done to stay was, a little bit aggressive and try to, mm-hmm, try to seal that game. One touchdown drive. They looked creative. They ran Weird plays. Minnesota was not expecting them to run. And they were bread and butter Wisconsin plays. The end around, uh, the the pass to the full, the the naked bootleg to the fullback. Those are all plays that used to be like Wisconsin's bread and butter, and they worked all the time. And I honestly think that's the first, maybe the second naked bootleg with the fullback I saw this year. Uh, we didn't run the reverse or the the end around hardly at all this year. And that used to be a staple of Wisconsin misdirection. There was they were running some misdirection on offense. I saw them put wide receivers in motion behind the running back, but it was it was more for a uh, for show than for anything else. Mm-hmm. And I, it, it was appalling. It was just an appalling game to watch. I had to listen to the. Uh, I left the house. Uh, they were ahead sixteen thirteen. I had to listen to the rest of that on the radio. I didn't even know about what happened at the end of the game because I turned it off when he, when Graham Hurts threw the interception. I'm like, that's it. And lo and behold, they, they almost won, but I'm glad I didn't listen to that because I, I probably would have kicked my, kicked my foot right through the radio when they committed those four penalties. Honestly, I don't really want to talk about that. That was, <laughs> yeah. it was horrible. It was Bill horrible. Was out. This, is, was... this is so eerily similar to last season's, um, Post Minnesota. You know the worst part about that. Sorry, like the worst part about that for me because I you are given this like little seed of miracle hope with Chase, right? Like (laughs) the game's over when Mertz throws the pig. I had resigned myself to that, and then Minnesota somehow barely misses a field goal. Mertz comes in and or not Mertz. Wolf, Wolf comes in. Yeah, after Mertz gets hurt, Wolf comes in and suddenly he looks like. Johnny Manziel, right? He runs a little bit. He hits a big pass, pass interference. And you have this little seed of like miracle hope that no way this backup quarterback wasn't thrown a pass the entire year can come in and win this game in the biggest moment. And then it's like penalty, 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 penalty. It's just like, why did you give me hope? Why? I, um, I'm going to, I'm going to feel bad saying this in about 10 seconds. Um, once we got backed up to the 20, the 30 or 25, whatever it was, um, the very first play we had, uh, I think Wolf tried to hit DK in the back of the end zone and Jake Essenbach was running up the right sideline, no one within 20 yards of him. And Essenbach, when he saw Wolf throw that ball, just turned back and was just like, now at the same time, the play had kind of broken down. Wolf was scrambling. At the same time, you're just like you, you threw in the triple triple coverage at the end of the day. No, like look to your right. Not oh. the first time that uh, Jack Eschenbach was completely missed by a quarterback. Yeah. Uh, well, I can't really. I don't fully blame Wolf for that because that situation. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised if Wolf didn't know Eschenbach was going to be over there in that route. Because like, Mertz missed uh, Eschenbach on another play in that game where he was wide open. He overthrew it. He overthrew a lot yesterday, yeah. and this is just. This is the story of Graham Mertz. He gives you hope. And then he, you know, has like the last three games of the season are are a disaster outside of one drive against Nebraska. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable and maddening. And it's a coach killer. 
he's gotten an, an off he, Joe Rudolph, uh, uh, Paul Christ, and Jim Leonard lost their jobs because they put their faith in Graham Mertz. He's killed more people than smallpox, for God's sake. It's a spicy uh, take. <laughs> he's a you know, I have a, killer. I have a quick question about Mertz and just. I, I is by no means this is like a unique thought. I've seen similar um, thought processes of this, but do you think us not having a quarterback to like compete with Graham in his time here kind of stunted what might have been a more promising career? Because he can clearly make almost any throw, and we've seen him when he is playing well. Like he's a dude that can win games for. For, for Wisconsin, but it's clearly just not consistent enough. So I don't know if you guys have any immediate thoughts or if you'd thought of that before. I think it was over for Graham Mertz when Jack Cohn got injured prior to the 2020 season. Um, and he had to be thrust into action. Then he had a great first game. Everything since then has pretty much been downhill for him. Outside of, outside of the absolute hilarity of him breaking the uh, Duke's Mayo Bowl trophy. Uh, which was genius, and they they worked that for great effect. Mm-hmm. But everything else has just been a disaster. He comes out with his own clothing line uh, prior to his sophomore season, and that's a, that's a complete catastrophe. He came out talking. He's he's been talking about being more of a leader all year. Nowhere have I seen that evident. Um, this is just it. It it's a disaster. It was a disaster season, and it ended appropriately on a complete disaster. And say, oh, sorry. Um, uh, I'm sorry. I was going to circle back to to the Graham Birds thing. Um, I think Paul Christ um was forced to anoint Graham Mertz the the starting quarterback, and it was too early. And um, it in the process he alienated Jack Cohn who left for Notre Dame, and we all know what happened with that, although thankfully it did give us Ryan's uh, Ballad of Jack Cohn from last year. I don't know if that's thankful or not. Yeah, well, we time will tell. Time will tell on that one. <laughs> I, I, I With the Mertz thing, man, I always thought it was just like a toxic relationship. Like, I feel like Wisconsin failed Mertz as much as Mertz failed Wisconsin. Yeah. You know, like, you can't give a – you bring in this prize quarterback, right? And then you give him a new quarterback's coach every single year. The the play calling's inconsistent. There's nobody to push him. Like he he's been coached by grad assistants and a distracted Paul Christ. Like, and and he hasn't been had he hasn't had great receivers. The offensive line hasn't been as good as it's normally been. Um, but listen, Mertz hasn't played well either. I, it just feels like both sides failed each other. And I think if Mertz had gone to a more stable system, he would have had a better career. But quite frankly, if Mertz had a better career, maybe some of his coaches are still here. So it just felt like a toxic relationship that uh, Wisconsin, certainly in my opinion, uh, didn't hold up their end of, of the player development bargain. That's a I really like that response. That's really fair. I uh, one thing I was reminded of, uh, John, the amount of people I know that back in what 2019, 2020, even before yeah. Cone got hurt, that were saying we have this. You know, great recruit. Oh, you can't yeah, let him sit everybody. for too many years. We gotta oh. start Mertz over Cone, regardless of what happens. If all those people were compared with, we're made like like we're made with like a Venn diagram with the people now who are saying, you know, we we should have, you know, not, you know, 
got rid of Cohen so quickly. We should have told Cohen jobs still his when when he gets back mm-hmm. from his injury, blah, blah, blah. Like that overlap is almost a circle. It's not a full circle, but a lot of those people are are You're absolutely are right. And yeah, but we've that's we've annoying. all we've all been a little betrayed by the people we put our trust in over the last couple of years at Wisconsin. Um and we had I don't think anyone had any reason to expect what happened. So there's there's a lot of bitter fans out there. Count me as one of them. You know, we we very much trusted um, Paul Chris to know what direction to take the program. That his hires were good because a lot of his hires were really good. And he just he made he started making moves that just didn't work, and they snowballed. Mm-hmm. And I think the the ultimate one that we can point to now that was sort of a disaster was was hiring uh al johnson as the running backs coach uh the running backs have underperformed this year due to injury and other things but also they didn't look the same and that was that was a case where i said well let's see where this goes because he's been a head coach you know he's a badger legacy we'll see how this happens it was a it, it it wasn't a good hire it just wasn't and now we know so hindsight being 2020, you know, back then it was like, we'll give him a chance. Well, now we know, you know, it wasn't, wasn't a good idea. And we can say that about several of, of um, Paul Chris tires now. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so now that we've vented our frustration at the program for the season they did just have, including this last game, let's move on to the really big news that caused us to call this little confab in the first place. About what would you say? Ten o'clock this morning. Ten o'clock. Roughly ten. Yeah. Uh, news story started to break that Luke Fickle, the head coach of the Cincinnati Bearcats, was a serious candidate for the Wisconsin head coaching position. Um, I had beforehand about two hours to go through what I could of uh, Badger message boards and uh, Twitter and websites and. Um, most of it within the first hour of that initial announcement was utter disbelief. Um, there, there were a few people who were like, Oh my God, this is great. Most of them were like, that can't be, that can't be true. That can't be right. Someone's stirring the pot. Um, but it turns out um, it, no formal announcement has been made yet to my knowledge. Has anything happened in the, in the 30 minutes we've been recording? Not that I've seen, but okay. I haven't been actively monitoring either. I mean, uh, I think the most official thing I've seen is, you know, people that cover Wisconsin have said, you know, sources say it's going to happen. Uh, Cincinnati supposedly has already named an interim coach. He told players at the meeting with Cincinnati players he's leaving for Wisconsin. So we've seen all that be reported, but like he's not officially been hired. Yeah, they're supposed to. The last, the last things I saw said there's supposed to be a decision. It's supposed to be signed today, and there will be a press conference later on. Yeah. Today, there was. I know there was an emergency uh, board of regents meeting called. I think for today. I'm pretty sure it's today. Uh, which presumably is to name the new head coach. Um. The big news out of all of this. Um. Besides the fact that Luke Fickle is arriving, and we're going to dive into the gory details of that in a second, Jim Leonard, who literally embodies everything about Wisconsin for the last 30 years, will not be getting the head coaching job. 
and like like the guy said at the beginning uh you know happy but then sad excited but then disappointed you know you, you it's these are emotions that are all muddled up right now and probably won't be fully cleared up until we see some sort of great success from Luke Fickle. Because mm-hmm. um, Jimmy Leonard was beloved. He's still, you know, as bad as things got. And last night after that game, I think I, I may have mentioned this. Um, when I, I told my friends, I said, Jimmy Leonard's getting, a, he's getting, he's being given a job he hasn't earned. He didn't earn it. But at the same time, he's a really good defensive coordinator, borderline great defensive coordinator, who, um, you know, he turned down the Green Bay Packers defensive coordinator job to stay at Wisconsin because he was virtually destined to be the head coach. Everyone mm-hmm. thought it was a formality. And it, 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 it hurts. At the same time, like I said, he didn't, he didn't earn it. He didn't win it on the field. But that doesn't make you feel any less good or, or less, um, what's the word I'm looking for here? It doesn't make you feel any better that he didn't get the job. I mean, he is, he literally, like I said, embodied Wisconsin, Wisconsin football. And now the, that chain that stretches from Barry Alvarez all the way up to Jim Leonard, that, that chain's just been cut. Um, I highly doubt that Luke Fickle is going to hire any former Badgers just based on nostalgia alone. Um, and it's just, it's it was a shock. And I think we, we can't compliment Jim Leonard enough and not sympathize with him enough for all the crap he had to go through this year just to not get the job that he was virtually certain to get everyone felt guys your your thoughts you know i kind of want to just give jim lennon a big hug you know yeah right i literally what it's 315 right now so six hours ago i assumed sometime today maybe tomorrow at the latest what wednesday or thursday you know jim lennon would be named the head coach and officially start a new era. I would have been happy with that. I think he is intriguing having a guy who's had success here as a player, as a defensive coordinator. And within like a week of being the interim head coach week or two, he was saying certain things got to be better. Certain things got to change. You're like, Oh great. Like music to my ears. This is, this is perfect. And you know, I, there was a lot of people that were upset. We didn't name him as the head coach after, you know, that three and one start. And then, you know, by no means should this have been based on his win loss record. Uh, you know, by no means do I think Jim Leonard didn't do well in the, the hand he was dealt, so to speak with this season. Although I kind of got to agree with you, John, like he didn't, he didn't do something this year that made me think like, this is definitely the change that's needed. Um, having said, like I said, having said that, I still would have been very happy with him being hired. Um, you know, I remember back in, you know, the weeks, the couple weeks following Paul Chris being fired, you would see some people say, oh, what coaches might Wisconsin hire if it's not Jim Leonard? And the only name that I saw that I put any stock in was Dave Aranda. 
And I, I remember even seeing Luke Fickle. I was like, he's not coming here. Like, I, I didn't think it was possible. I thought, I thought Fickle might be a guy that once literally like an Alabama or Texas job came up, he'd yep. go there. So I, I'm still surprised that Fickle, it looks like is coming here. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I feel for Jim Leonard. Brian, your, your thoughts on Jim yeah. Leonard? I think you guys both put it really well. I, I think there's two sides to this, right? There's a pragmatic side where, listen, Fickle has a much better resume than Leonard. They're not they're not comparable, quite frankly. And that's not a shot to Leonard. Fickle has a better resume than any coaching candidate Wisconsin could have realistically brought in. He's been to the playoffs. He's been a national coach of the year. He recruits really well. Um, like he's built that program. He had it so pragmatically, this is a home run over Jim Leonard. But emotionally, it stinks. Like, emotionally, it stinks for Leonard. Like, I'm actually excited. So that's where I said when I started the show, I'm happy, I'm excited, I'm sad. I think this is the end of Wisconsin football, this era of it as we know it. And that makes me sad, like nostalgic sad, because I like our culture. I like our brand. I think it's going to take it in a different direction. I think that direction could be really, really amazing, by the way. But it's going to be different. And it makes me sad for Jim Leonard. Um, but I'm excited for the ceiling of the program. <clears throat> like I said, I think you can't compare the resumes. Like Fickle is a home run addition. And the other thing I would say, and I said this, I think on Twitter, or I, already, I did a reaction show earlier today where this is kind of a shot across the bow to the rest of the Big Ten. Like this is a shot across the bow to Ohio State. I mean, quite frankly, their fans want Fickle um, after after Ryan Day lost two games in like seven years, right? Um, but the point is like this is Wisconsin saying enough of this. We're We're going to take our shot to be a big boy. And whether it works out or not, we'll see. But I kind of respect that part of it. And honestly, um, you know, the, I think the number being bandied around was $9 million. The number being bandied around was like $9 million a year, which is a, a lot of money. Um, and it's not, you know, I, I realize that, that Michigan or Ohio State or Alabama can come in and just be like, nope, nope, we can top that. But... Um, this is a serious, like you said, it's a serious sign to the rest of the Big Ten. Wisconsin's not going away. We're not fading into obscurity. Mm -hmm. the, the days of, hey, Wisconsin's in decline. We don't know what's going to happen with Luke Fickle, but you can no longer say Wisconsin is inevitably going to decline based on their style of play because it's all going to change now. And now we kind of now we can get into the gory details of, of Luke Fickle. Um, totally different. Can I, can I say oh. one real quick thing, Ryan? You had mentioned like end of an era of Wisconsin football. I was texting a couple of my friends earlier today, and one kind of said some of the lines of like, you know, though we've said, you know, Leonard's story resume is like almost like a fairy tale ending if he's the head coach. And one of my friends was like, other top programs hire people that aren't former players or coaches all the time, and they do mm -hmm. really well. So, like, would it again? Yeah. Would I have liked Leonard? Yeah. Leonard, yeah. Is Luke Fickle, as you've mentioned, better in terms of what he's accomplished and his resume? Like also, yes, it's not it's not close, like you said. So I'm I'm yeah, I'm excited because as, as you both mentioned, this is essentially Wisconsin telling the rest of the Big Ten, like, we're 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 coming for you. We're not we're not gonna be waiting for improvements to happen. We're gonna go out and get them. And honestly, one other note, um, Jim Leonard is going to be a head coach somewhere yeah. and probably next season. He's I already expect... on a hot list for Cincinnati's head coaching job. Yeah. And I mean, 
I had somebody that's, tell me, look up for Nebraska making a run at him as a defensive coordinator. That would why why would you want to hurt sit? so much? I would vomit. I would it would it would, it would <sighs> suck, but I don't understand the, the reasoning behind that. Jim Leonard, I, I I can't imagine him not being a head coach somewhere. Unless, Money. of course, the Packers are going to be in the market for a defensive coordinator again come this offseason. Um they yeah. could they could use Jim Leonard. Uh no doubt about that. But uh, not only do I think Jim Leonard's going to be head coach somewhere else, I think Paul Christ, I, I don't know if he's going to make a run at it in the next year. He's definitely not going to be an analyst or announcer anywhere. So, no. so, but I think he still might have another coaching run left in him. It will be at a smaller school, but I have a feeling Paul Christ's coaching days aren't done either. He'll be a head coach again too. So how weird is it that Wisconsin, you know, we, we've just fired two guys who can be head coaches elsewhere and be successful to get a guy who's already been very successful. Mm-hmm. Now we get into the, the, the real meat of the, of the issue, which is, as we all know, all of us cut our teeth on following Wisconsin football recruiting. This year's 2023 class was underwhelming. Uh, it had some good pieces on it that we really wanted to keep, but a lot of them had decommitted. And at this point, I'm pretty sure that we can say that probably three quarters of those guys are now no longer takes, if you want to put it that way. We I don't know that for a fact. Uh, Luke Fickle might walk in and say, you know what, all you guys, you still have scholarship offers. But I chances are, I don't know that they would accept them even because the, the house is going to get cleaned. Um, I don't know what the future is for our entire recruiting staff. Um, but I have a feeling that's going to change too. Um, staff's all good. The, the staff's going to be mostly new. I can't fathom a world where Luke Fickle would keep three quarters of Wisconsin's assistant coaches. He doesn't need to, and he doesn't know them for the most part. That being said, um, Cincinnati's got a I think uh, close to top 25 recruiting class mm-hmm. going on right now, including, including a couple of guys that Wisconsin, Wisconsin really Packer, wanted, including outside linebacker Trevor Carter. Oh, yeah. The Badgers. Him? Yeah. After after the Tackett Curtis thing went went bye bye, uh, there was there were talk that uh, Bobby April was talking to um, uh, Trevor Carter again, trying to flip him. The, there, there's the one coach I could see him keeping. Uh, Bobby April is is extremely well respected, and he's a really good recruiter. Uh, that would be a guy that would definitely be worth keeping around. But uh, is Wisconsin just they have they have what three weeks until early National Signing Day? I think there's so. Yeah, a flurry of activity. Guys who got scholarship offers yesterday at the game. Now it's like, do those mean anything? Do any of the 2024 offers mean anything? I'm pretty no. certain. I'm pretty certain like, those Waukesha Catholic Memorial kids that we have been talking about all year. I th- this suddenly puts at least the guys for 2024 almost out of reach, unless they have a recruiter who can absolutely, you know, pick up and and take off in state, where uh, where. He'd have to fill the underwhelming shoes of Chris Herring. But, um, you know, we don't know what NIL is going to look like now for the Badgers. Uh, Chris McIntosh just made a very, very big statement about money 
and how it's not going to be, we're not a nickel and dime program anymore. Um, you know, is, is that going to change how they function with NIL? Is that going to change how they view the transfer portal? This is, these are the questions that like are, are the ones that sort of have me up late at night, quote unquote, because uh, it's, I haven't had a chance to sleep since this news <laughs> broke, but I'm going to be thinking about it all night. Um, you know, what is going to happen with Wisconsin recruiting? Uh, Ryan is, I, I'm, I'm viewing this as a net positive, but I'm also thinking it's going to be a couple of rough years. Uh, what, what's, what are your thoughts? I would preface by saying none of us really know for sure. I, I will say this. He is very well regarded as a recruiter. Uh, he has yeah. really good recruiters on his staff. Whereas Paul, Chris, you and I have talked about this before, Justin, Paul, Chris kind of emphasized relationships and coaches. Right? Hey, I am I not Justin. Chris. Oh, John, sorry. My bad. I talked to Justin <laughs> earlier today. My bad. Another member of the the original Bucky cast trio. My bad, John. Uh, my brain is frazzled with so many Twitter messages. But, you know, you and I specifically talked sure. about how Paul Chris went after coaches and not really recruiters, yes. right? For better or worse. Um, mm -hmm. This guy emphasizes, when I say Fickle, this guy, Fickle, he emphasizes recruiting. That It's a big deal to him. He emphasizes it. He's got the 23rd ranked class right now at Cincinnati. I think it's 23rd. So he's going to come in. I, I don't think it's going to take two years. Like he's going to come in. He's going to understand the importance of in-state recruiting because he'd be a fool not to, and he's not a fool. Um, so I think obviously this class is going to be weird, but what people people are correct in saying this, we're going to lose a lot of guys. Buckle up. We're going to lose like a lot of guys off our roster too to the transfer portal. But Fickle's going to bring guys too. And that, that's the part that people maybe don't talk about enough. There's going to be dudes coming from Cincinnati. There's going to be dudes coming from his recruiting class. He's going to find guys in the portal. And I think he has a compelling message to sell to kids, right? I got Cincinnati to a playoff. Look at my record. I was a coach of the year. And now I'm going to go to Wisconsin. And I'm going to make big boy moves. So I don't anticipate recruiting being a multi-year reclamation project but it, that could be me just being optimistic i know a lot of a lot of bridges may have been burned by not hiring jim leonard in terms of in-state kids it's possible because in-state kids love jim leonard so um you know they weren't they weren't they paul chris didn't have a bad reputation in state jim leonard had a sparkling reputation in state so Can i don't I just know say that does does a 17 year old kid really love Jim Leonard though? I, I think his the 17 year old kid's high school coach does, but a 17 year old kid can I from what I've read about Fickle, he's gonna sit down with 17 year old kids in state and he's gonna present himself very well, is what I would say. Will what do you yeah, I've heard I've heard Fickle is a is someone who like Ryan kind of mentioned recruits resonate with players like and you know he I mean, gosh, like having a top 25 recruiting class in Cincinnati, that's that's tough. Like, I mean, Wisconsin. The resources he is going to have for recruiting is <sighs> just literally quadrupled. Mm -hmm. So um, I guess one thing I and I mean, Ron kind of said like we don't know what's going to happen over the next two weeks, two months, nine months, whatever it is. Like, but a lot will happen. I uh, I was texting one of my friends. I was just like. We should just every time you see a transfer portal news hit, like, and there's going to be probably more than we hope for. Um, we just have to kind of accept that, like, that's what comes with making this move. You know, I think, I think having, I think, if how do I say this? 
there are people out there that I know when people we're going to lose out on recruits, we're going to lose out on transfers. And they're going to say, this is why we should have kept Leonard. That's a short sighted way to think of this because we like long-term fickle gives us, I think a higher ceiling. Um, one thing I'm not worried about, but I'm going to be looking forward to seeing him mention it is I hope fickle does understand how important in-state recruiting is in Wisconsin, even though we're not the most talented state, there are talented guys that are in this state that you have to let develop for two, three, four years, and they're going to be good big 10 players. So do I think he's going to do that? Like Gary Anderson did? No, it is something that I want to see address and, you know, kind of be assured that it'll, it'll be okay. Um, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, mostly just intrigued to see what he does with recruiting. I think that's probably going to be maybe the most significant difference from the last, I don't know what decade or so of Wisconsin coaches, Wisconsin coaching. I think what the efforts strategies and hopefully success is going to be noticeably different. Wisconsin's offense is going to look radically, radically, radically different than it has. They're going to throw the ball. Yeah. Paul's going to get slung around now. And for as many doors as this closes on, you know, some recruits, I guarantee you right now there are quarterbacks out there in high school whose ears perk up. Eyes got big. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Thinking about, hey, they're going to go three wide and, and stretch things out and start throwing it. And that's not to say Wisconsin's going to abandon the running game. Um, Cincinnati does a great job running the football, too. Uh, but it depends they, on, like like we just said, it depends on who Luke Fickle brings in for his staff. If he brings the Cincinnati staff, yeah, it's going to look totally different. Uh, it'll still look totally different regardless. I think one thing I will point out to some, because Cincinnati does not run the ball nearly as much as Wisconsin does. No. Nobody and, does. Well, Minnesota does. I was gonna say Minnesota does. Uh, <laughs> one thing I'll, I'll point out, though, is that Fickle still like went to Ohio State, coached at Ohio State, back when that was you know, like trestle ball. So Fickle has the history, I guess you could say, of being on a team that'll like grind it out, will, you know, just run teams into oblivion. Now maybe not at the rate at Wisconsin ever did, but I think, you know, for anyone who's like worried that we're gonna miss out on like the bread and butter of Wisconsin, getting these big offensive linemen and kind of doing what we're good at, I, I don't think he's gonna come in and abandon that. It as Ryan said, though, and John, like you, like this is going to be different. There's, there's going to be, there's going to be more opportunities for players to come in and uh, do some damage to the, to the passing game. Mm-hmm. Ryan, will I know you and I were talking, speaking, not speaking of recruiting anymore, but just um, in general, has anyone gotten themselves more beaten up in the Big Ten than Nebraska by Wisconsin? Here they go. They have their great head coaching the the guy they all wanted big news hey nebraska hired this guy and wisconsin comes out literally the next day and lands what is arguably one of the top five uh potential head coaches that were out there on the market and just just flattens their day like no one's talking about matt rule at nebraska anymore except nebraska fans no it's it's wild. Um, and I would say, I would take it even a step further. Um, John, I would say he's not only one of the top five coaches that would have been available. He's, 
he's if he's probably one of the top five coaches right now in college football. Just if you're maybe top ten, like I'm not trying to get hyperbolic here, but if you bring Cincinnati to a playoff game, if you're the coach of the year, if you're landing top twenty five classes at Cincinnati, they've had nine players drafted in the last couple of years, which is I think I saw the stat third to Georgia and somebody else. He just had a first nine round players drafted last year. Last year, sorry. Yeah. Yep. He, he just had a first round cornerback and quarterback. Like you're not going to find more than five or six coaches anywhere, whether they're available or not, that match up with what he's doing right now. This is an absolute home run addition. And uh, I went to one of the Nebraska forums just to, just to, you know, to see what they were saying. And the first comments, like, I hate Wisconsin. We, we got beat <laughs> by them again. You know, so to your point, hundred percent. It just, it, 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 it is, it's, it, it almost, it's not going to take the wind out of the sails of Minnesota because they won. They've won the axe yeah. two years in a row. So they're on cloud nine, but the, you know, Hey, we got a big victory. You know, we can keep doing this now. Crap. crap. You know, it's like, well, Wisconsin just signaled that they're not going away anytime soon. So, uh, yeah, huge shot, as we've been saying all show, huge shot across the bow of the rest of the Big Ten. We're not, I don't think we're shooting at the big boys necessarily yet, but that may yet come uh, because I I will be the first to say I've been a Chris McIntosh doubter, an occasional hater for the last six months. Uh, first with not replacing Tony Granato as the head hockey coach, and then, you know, I was I was angry that the search coaching search was dragging on when it seemed inevitable. Chris McIntosh had a plan. And Chris McIntosh executed that plan. He didn't care what other people thought or said. He was not afraid to upset an apple cart that he inherited from arguably the greatest head coach in Wisconsin football history. Uh, so uh, kudos to Chris McIntosh for being bold. And who knows what the future is going to hold for, for this program now. There may be a lot of things, a lot of culture in the Wisconsin Athletic Department that's going to change because he's obviously made um, the indication that was, he will not settle for being an also-ran. Nor should he. Uh, Wisconsin, people have talked about it. They're a top 25 program perennially. Uh, it's time to start acting like a top 25 program perennially. And not a not a mom and pop program that we run for fun and a hobby on the side. So this was this this was incredible ground ground shaking news. Uh, it was a, it was literally the, I'm sure there was a, a small shock on the Richter scale across the across the, the state of Wisconsin, particularly the city of Madison, when this news broke at ten. So and I hope what doesn't happen. I'm afraid it's going to because it's not to get into the the culture outside of sports that we live in today. But people people get really combative now, right? On online and yep. social media, on forums for all sorts of things. And we we're already seeing Brian Calhoun tweeted something where he said, "You're burning bridges." Um, I think Fumagalli came out and said, "Worst Wisconsin decision in the history of football." Um, you know, and then Travis Beckham came out and said, "This is what we needed." You know, now we can chase greatness. Yeah. You, you can see this divide happening really quickly right now, not just with the, you know, we've talked about the players on the roster, uh, but with alumni. And I hope it doesn't become, because I love Leonard. I love Jim Leonard. Uh, it, I was okay with him getting the job, even though I have long said I wanted this to go to the offseason. I want there to be a search. I want to see who's there, but I love Jim Leonard. 
And I don't want it to become if Fickle struggles for a game, everyone starts throwing mud at him and saying, Jim Leonard is a guy you see, or if Jim Leonard goes somewhere successful, like I hope he's successful. There's going to be people hoping he fails. So it doesn't look bad for Wisconsin. I hope he goes somewhere and crushes it. I just hope yep. this doesn't create this weird divide that we're arguing about back and forth for the next three years as Badger fans. I yeah, honestly, honestly, point. if Jim Leonard, if Jim Leonard becomes like a Dave Aranda sort of coach where, you know, he's the, Dave Aranda's the it guy outside mm-hmm. of Luke. Now that Luke Fickle's, you know, been taken off the market, you know, anyone who's anyone next year with a coaching opening is going to be going after Dave Aranda. And that's what I hope for Jim Leonard, wherever he winds up is that he is still the it guy. Cause he was an it guy literally before at the beginning of the season. It was like, how much longer is Jim Leonard going to stick around? Um, the whole off season has been littered with rumors about him for years. And mm-hmm. I want him to become that guy. I want him to wind up being at a power five school or however many power conferences we wind up with and just, just crushing it and having good games against Wisconsin, maybe in the future because he deserves, well, okay, fine. Not against Wisconsin, but um, you know, everybody else, everybody's everybody else. And uh, yeah. Yeah. No, there is absolutely, I feel no bitterness towards uh, Jim Leonard right now. I, 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 I just can't. Um, yeah, despite what happened yesterday and how annoyed I was at the result, um, in the end, he's a good coach. He got handed a crappy situation. Mm -hmm. So anything else, gentlemen, have we beat this horse to death now? Yeah, I guess we, we did have a question from Michael who had emailed us a couple weeks ago. We used one last week. His question was, what kind of offense do we want Wisconsin to run? And I think it was kind of taken out of our hands to talk about it because we just hired a coach who's kind of probably going to bring it in his own system. Yeah. Um, Let's face it. Everything we had on last week's agenda is now null and void. It's, yeah. yeah yep. we, can, we can throw that one away. Every, this, is, this is day zero. Mm-hmm. The like only last thing I would program. say is just buckle up. You're yeah. going to see a crazy amount of players leaving, players coming in. It is going to be, it is going to be wild. So it's going to look up. like Oklahoma and USC last year. Maybe yep. not to that scale, but it'll be it'll be like that. Yeah. It might. Um, it might in our be agenda, I wrote, I wrote it. It could get ugly. It could be exciting. It'll probably be both. Like, yeah, there's going to be players. There's going to be a lot of. There's yeah. going to be a lot of. Uh, and then ooh, yeah, going mm-hmm. on. So. so Stay strapped to Twitter, folks, as much as you can. Um, because once Luke Fickle's officially announced and he starts putting together a coaching staff, uh, it's gonna get a little nutso. All right. Well, that does it for this week. Uh Ryan will thank you. Uh Ryan, especially for uh coming on as a special guest, returning to your returning to your roots. And uh, Will for taking time out on a Sunday afternoon to get this together. For sure. Yep. So on behalf of uh, Ryan and on the Bucky cast, peace out, people. Have a good one, everyone.